Dear Influential Leaders, this is Lenka and Alexander Kanan, and we are bringing you yet another episode of the Influential Executive Podcast. And today our guest was having a nice conversation with us about how to have conversations that are worth having. Jackie Stavros, she is professor at Lawrence Technological University and she's mostly known for all her work in the appreciative inquiry. Yeah, it's a style of communication actually. It takes a very positive uh, form of communications and in today's interview you are going to get some specific questions that you can use when communicating with your team, with your peers, your colleagues. We learn a lot about how communication works and what the amazing effects can be when we learn to ask each other better questions. This episode has been brought to you by Earn More Work Less. We help the busiest of busy professionals <laughs> work stress-free. Hence this podcast, you can listen to it on the way to work, on the way home or while working out. So there's world-class education right there at your doorstep for free. Enjoy right now our conversation with Jackie Stavros. Jackie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining the Influential Executive Podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here this day. We are ready to ask you all kinds of questions. Okay. And you told us that you're flying through Amsterdam later this week to attend the Appreciative Inquiry Conference in Nice. Yes, it's in Nice, France. It's in France. And, and what is where I wanted to say it sounds very nice, like it's a very lame joke, so I'm going to skip that <laughs> one. Um, what, what can I imagine? Like there's a whole bunch of people coming to talk about Appreciative Inquiry. Yes, um, so it's the World Appreciative Inquiry Conference, and the first one was in Baltimore in 2001, and it's all about bringing people together who are part of the um, Appreciative Inquiry community, new people, um, people who have been in the community for 20, 30 years, and they have a research track, a personal development track, a business track, three different tracks, and, you know, basically Appreciative Inquiry is looked at as a personal operating system about what gives what gives life, what is possible, the best of the best. And so they have people from all over the world attending this conference. Ah, you had me as operating system. Yeah, that's what I think as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if you could describe what is it really about in very simple few sentences so that even I and all of our listeners have never heard about it can kind of get a picture of what it really is about. Yeah, so if you think about um, appreciative inquiry, when I said operating system is, if you look at appreciative inquiry, it's about a way of thinking, being, and doing in life. And so it would ask you to focus on those things that are going well in your life. What do you want more of? What's possible? What are the what are the wishes? And it's it's a really profoundly positive way to approach mm-hmm. dealing with anyone, anytime, anywhere, any situation. And it was created by a group of um, colleagues, David Cooperwriter and Ron Fry at Case Western Reserve University. And I want to say 1985. 
And it first came out just with a simple set of principles of how we interact with each other. And then 10 years later came this appreciative inquiry 5D cycle so that um, if you and I had an issue that people weren't getting along in, in our company or on our team, how do we get them to collaborate? Is we would discover ways that we have collaborated well, and then we would dream about what would collaboration look like if we were all collaborating in a high-performing team. And then we actually have to design the operating principles or the strategy of how we will work as collaborators in this organization. And then the fourth D is um, destiny or deploy. This is the way we're gonna work together and collaborate in our organization. So you could probably take any issue, problem, challenge, or topic and find out what it is you really want to happen. All right. Wow. And so if I understand correctly, this is a purely positive approach. So does it mean in 1985, uh, a couple of people said, you know what, instead of focusing on the negative, let's see what happens when we focus on the positive? Um, I would say that's half the equation. There's um, two simple practices. And the first practice is positive framing. So it's the ability to take a situation, a problem, um, something going on in the organization or in your life or in a community. In the positive frame, the first thing is, what's the positive opposite uh, that you want to happen? So let's go back to um, the organization that has really high turnover, mm -hmm. um, and that's a problem. Well, the positive opposite is low turnover. That's pretty simple. But you move from positive to generativity, and the conversation would be, what's, what, what are you really looking for? You're looking to retain employees. Well, yeah, we want employees that are really engaged. So we would do an inquiry um, asking generative questions is, instead of learning about everything that's going wrong with turnover, we'd want to talk to the people who stay. And why do you stay? And well, how are you engaged? And what do you love about this company? So that we design more of what we hope for and what we can imagine. So it's positive framing, but it's generative questions. And generative questions are questions you don't have the answer to. And you're very curious. You said curious. You're very curious about. Right. And generative questions, um, those are the questions that start with what, why, how, when. Is that it? Yeah. The Okay. So think of a generative question is we have a problem with communication. And if I ask you, how is communication going? Maybe you'll go negative. Maybe you'll say, I don't know what you're going to say. But what I really want to study is if I know we have a problem with communication, the que a generative question is, so tell me about a time when communication was working well here. Tell me what you value about effective communication and what's possible. So a dialogue is generative. It's back and forth, very appreciative inquiry based so that we can come up with a strategy of how to communicate better. Right. Now I'm curious, Jackie, um, how did it all happen? Because once you were born and I'm always looking, um, I was looking at the, at the story of a person. So what's your story um, between when you were born and now this Jackie who travels to this huge, amazing conference? So Jackie's story is, um, and it's probably, everybody, we all have the same beginning. If you think of when we're infants, how happy babies are, how happy children are, and somewhere along society, our pathways, we go into um, protect modes and connect modes. and and we start to look at what's wrong and what's not working. 
I would say from where I where I grew up in a pretty middle class family, my father was always a very positive influence on me. And he would always kind of flip a situation of, you know, what's possible. I really wanted to go to college. My dad said, you know, we don't have money. We've got four kids. We cannot send you to college, but I'll let you live at home for free. And maybe we can help pay for your books. So I think what you need to focus on is how are you going to pay for college? And at the time I was 15 and he says, you can work hard and earn money. Um, you can get scholarships. And so he was really generative in helping me come up with ways so I could be, so I could go to college. So at a very young age, my father was a really great influence. And as life goes on, I met David Cooperwriter, probably in my late 20s. I was working on my doctorate and I was used to being in an industry, um, looking at things that went wrong. We would do a SWOT analysis. So even in industry, it was so easy that people could just dwell on what's wrong and weaknesses and threats. And it really drained our energy. And when I learned about appreciative inquiry, when I first learned about it, it was um, a qualitative research technique. And David Cooperwriter and Ron Fry at Case said, imagine going into a situation and asking somebody what's going on right. And imagine asking questions about what would you like to see what happened and what's possible. So I was very attracted to that research technique. And that was probably in 1995. And if you think about it, a few years later, this 5D cycle of, of defining the issue and discovery and dream and design and destiny was a way of working with systems. And um, that's kind of how my life unfolded, going to um, let's do what's possible. Let's, how, do, how do we move forward together? Well, that's beautiful. And it's so nice that you look at the whole situation that your father was the positive influence because many people could take it as, um, yeah, I wanted to really make those studies, but my parents and then you, they have a huge trauma. So um, did something in your life happen that helped you to have such a positive look at that particular situation? Um, I would say I, got, I was married very young at the age of 22 to my husband, Paul. And, you know, when you get married, they ask you to take care of your spouse and sickness and in health. And, you know, when you're young, you just, you're just excited. It's a new relationship. We were married. So my husband has struggled his whole life with cancer, um, stage two, stage four cancers. And, and it was really hard. I didn't think at 22, now we'll fast forward. I've been married for 30 years, how hard it would be life's ups and downs and almost losing a spouse and then dealing with two children and working. So even in the worst of situations, generativity is nobody can promise me the answer. Mm -hmm. But if I can look at a bad situation, like when, when I came home one day with my kids and they were 10 and 12 at the time, and I told them their father had a stage four cancer, your kids are like, is dad going to die? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. And as a mother, I wanted to say, no, he's going to be fine. But I, I couldn't promise him that. And I said, Allie, I said, we're all going to die. I met her where she was at. And that wasn't the answer she wanted. No. And we had a generative conversation about what's possible. How can we help her dad get through this? Um, you know, when she can go to the hospital with her little brother. And going, really applying in something that I use in the business world to my personal life, it works great with relationships. At the end, you know, my husband, it's five years later now, and he's in remission. 
So it works. Even when you can't promise everybody, everything will be okay. I love it. Do you believe that such approach helped as well your husband to go through the whole situation? Yes. I would say that um, my husband is um, naturally has a positive mental attitude. And, you know, so many people in the world deal with cancers. At some, the longer you live, you're, you're, the chance increases that you can have cancer. So cancer is, um, when, when that disease hits you, I say it's one-third your attitude. And then I say it's one-third your diet and exercising. And yes, it's one-third traditional medicine, whether it's chemo or radiation. But the power of, the, of an appreciative mindset can take you further. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. You talked about your children. I'm, I'm curious because I think lots of parents would be interested in which kind of questions can we ask our children when we come tired after a whole day at work? <laughs> so um, I will tell you, if we can give your listeners a free list of questions for kids. We actually have one on our website, Conversations oh. Worth Having, that is exactly what you're asking. And we have one for business and kids. Um, but think about this. So you have kids. You send them to school all day. Mm -hmm. They, you know, my son Adam would get off the bus and I would say, um, Adam, how was school today? He'd say, boring. I said, what did you do? He goes, nothing. I thought, wow, I sent him to school for seven hours. Boring. Nothing. <laughs> um, and so I would say, so tell me, walk me through your day and what was the funnest thing you did in your day? And he said, well, recess, mom. And I said, well, why was recess fun? And then he would go into a story about the kids and that they would build something. And then after recess, he went to science, which he loves science. And, you know, so we got into stories about what he did. So I didn't let him have um, yes or no, one answer questions. Mm -hmm. So we actually got into a really good conversation worth having. What I love about that is that you let him speak about yeah. the one thing that interests him most. Not what interests you the most, but what yeah. interests him the most. This works awesome with, with kids. It really does. And are adults any different? I think it works great with adults. It takes practice. So, you know, the practices of positive framing and generative questions, it, it sounds simple. But you have to learn, like when you learn a foreign language, it's a new language. So you have to learn what's a generative question. How do I ask them? How do I just make it part of my natural dialogue? So look at it as learning a new language. Instead of saying, tell me what went wrong, tell me who's to blame, and just going into that attack yeah. mode, people protect themselves and they get defensive. Appreciative inquiry-based questions are very generative. And people are like, you, you're really curious. You really want to hear about my day. You're, you're genuinely interested. And so you begin to move in a great direction with folks. And um, in your book, uh, Conversations Worth Having, you speak about this method, this method mm -hmm. of communication. Does that also come with a big bag of patience? <laughs> no. You know, it's just, I write, if you've noticed, you've seen the thin book is sore. And now this one, I write short books. <laughs> um, I like to write books where people can immediately put things into, into practice. Yeah. So practice is the key. 
what I mean is I can imagine that people they need to grow some patience to have these kinds of conversations you know and instead of wanting that one quick fix answer to everything that's on their mind it, it requires this you know this moment together to really have this moment be in a bubble together uh, where time doesn't play a role and we just connect so um yeah and i think it's um you said patience and at the beginning of this conversation you mentioned curiosity i'm curious i'm curious yeah. that's a key element so when you're in a conversation and you pause just kind of take a deep breath and you get really curious and you lean in that's probably the act of patience but more than that you have all the patience in the world if you are truly curious yeah. I like yeah. it. That's so nice. Oh, Jackie, that's, that's really such a nice point of view because I am, or I was, I must say, one of the people who definitely struggled a lot with, uh, with patience. I, uh, and that came from place of fear, absolutely, in different situations, different places, different fears. Um, and I always had that feeling like, I have to immediately say something and react and what if i will not know what to say so i go into conversation with whatever i have to say and it was marshall goldsmith who said just take a deep breath first and and ask yourself is it is it worth saying or something along those lines like is it really worth it mm -hmm. so i really like this point of view it that that it's just you have the time to get curious and obviously when you're curious you stop you pause you think and then you ask the right question i really yeah. like it yeah it's a great relationship builder and in the end that's uh, that's where all the value is created is in our connections in our relationships i think that's very wise i think um real power and energy in any system whether your organization your marriage your friendships um it's all through our dialogue mm -hmm. and that's how we connect in organizations um, even yourself in your head, you have you probably have conversations in your head. Um, and if they're more positive and you're asking more generative questions in your head, the, sci the science is behind this. So yeah, in our conversations worth having book, we talk, I think it's chapter six about the science behind this, because there's a lot of science behind this about the physiological nature of your body, how you think. It's, it's really healthy to behave this way. Yeah, it's, I once heard somebody say, I think it was Caroline Leaf, she said, our bodies are wired for love. So when we're in a state of love and positivity, then everything flows exactly how it has to flow. It's, yeah, exactly. It's that connect versus the protect mode, the reptilian in the back of your head, you're trying mm -hmm. to connect. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and that's where positivity comes in. Now, I'm always looking for the practical application. So, you know, I, uh, several years ago, I think it was seven years ago that I moved on from there. I was leading a department with 35 people. And in that time, they were all reporting directly to me. So I had all these, these relationships to manage, all these one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I know many people listening to this right now do so as well maybe it is with their team or maybe it's with other colleagues now what are let's say two or three questions that you would like to suggest they add into their conversations almost 
as a standard go-to question, something you cannot go wrong with, something that always opens up the door to new value and new connection. So, okay, so I'm going to take you into like organizational life, right? Where you're working with teams or people. Um, so one of the frameworks that came out of my research with David Cooperwriter when I was working on my doctorate was SOAR. And it, it was just simply, it's a framework. So it's, it has generative questions. So you walk into a team, no matter what's going on, good, bad. And you, the first thing is you ask about strengths. You know, what are we great at? What, what can we build on? If we're going to have to come up with a strategy, what are we already doing well that we can leverage? So you have to go what I call strength conversations, strength configurations. Um, and then the second question is opportunities. Um, so depending on what group of stakeholders you're asking about, um, what's possible, what's the, what do we have to create here? And so that's an opportunity and you start thinking about possibilities and what's possible. And then aspirations are really, um, what do we care deeply about? And what stakeholders are we dealing with on this issue? What do they care about? And then you're trying to create that strategy of alignment and you gotta have a results conversation. So results are, how do we know we're succeeding? Um, you know, the, the, this thing about looking at strengths and opportunities and aspirations, discovery and dreaming, you got to design something and you got to deploy it and you got to know if, how you're succeeding. So measurements have to be meaningful, mm -hmm. but, but you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to get there. So that kind of strategic conversation with your team, just the energy is soaring with them and you're opening their brains up to connect. This first question, what are we great at? What is going well at the moment? Like I, I've hardly ever heard that question during my entire career. It's always career. what's going wrong and how we can how can we make it better. It's hardly ever what are we currently great at. Yeah. And, and and usually what brings you together is something is going wrong. There is a problem, but if we dwell on what's going wrong in the problem, we get really good at knowing everything that's wrong and what we can't do in the problems. That problem gets us to the point where we have to say, all right. What are we doing well? What are the strengths here? What's the opportunity? What do we have to nurture? What do we have to develop? Because you got to move forward. How do we move forward together? We don't want to be experts on everything that went wrong. You have to understand that, but then you have to create a strategy or a plan to move the system forward. And this brings me to the notion of what positive and negative really means. When I was young growing up, I thought, Positive is a thing and negative is a thing and they're like kind of the opposites and both you run into in your life. But it was only until I spent, actually it was when I spent my two days in silence in a monastery in Belgium, when I, I read this uh, esoteric book where it was explained that negative doesn't exist. Posit only positive things exist and negative is the lack of a positive thing. So now understanding that, yeah, you can run into something that seems negative, something that isn't there that you would like to be there. But when you want to fix it, you need to create something. So you need to build on the positive things that are already there. So the positive uh, point is always a starting point to finding a real solution. That was a major game changer in my mind. 
so think of um, the two practices, positive framing and generative questions. So positive framing is like a mindset. And once you move into that mindset, if you learn to ask generative questions, then people are thriving, flourishing, relationships are good. You can just almost feel the excitement and the movement. And you can also feel it in your body, um, in your heart, mm -hmm. um, in your energy level. Yeah. I'm curious, also related to the first question, what are we great at? I assume that you can as well use it on a one-on-one -on -one basis, talking to your um, employee in face-to-face meetings. And what we've seen a lot as well in the younger generations, our millennials and Gen Z, we like to have titles. We like to be very important, very fast. We like to as well talk about what we do well. And sometimes what others observe might not be necessarily what we feel. So sometimes you get these people who say, I'm really good at X, Y, Z, while the other person, namely the team leader, doesn't have the same opinion. I would want to ask you, how do you deal with these kind of situations when you try to be positive what you are great at and then the person says something that really doesn't correspond to your experiences okay so that goes to um there's a great article by gervais bush called appreciative inquiry is not just about the positive so positive framing is only one part going back to generativity and generative questions when i have to connect it's 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 we connecting is we not i so if it's, I'm great, I'm good, I, 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 it's, you're not, I'm not connecting with you. So if we is, is connected, and if you look at the research, um, in order to be in a high performing, like you and me in a relationship, it has to not just be I, it has to be you and I, which is we, mm -hmm. and we have to have an inquiry that's generative going together. So I focused will just be I focused and won't get you that far. Right. Does that make sense? It so, does, absolutely. Yeah. So what would be the question then the team leader could ask at that moment to bring the person onto the, onto the level of, of we and team and all of us together? So it, it's a deepened understanding of um, what makes us great mm -hmm. as a team. And it's making sure that all the voices in the system so if it's a team and there's 10 of us there, you have to lean in and you have to say, you know, I haven't heard anything from you lately, Alexander. What do you think? So it's, um, it's a very whole system, very generative, very inclusive. And, you know, we could say, Jackie, you're giving us a lot of great ideas. Now it's time to hear from everybody else. So you're not shunning me, but you're opening up the door for the other people on the team. Right. I like that you, you don't use the word but either. Uh, I remarked and that, that was a struggle of mine. Uh, what I see um, in my environment a lot, and I think it's, it counts for you, Alex, as well, that we, we really do our best to be positive and do, we use positive words at least as much as we can. And um, then we see sometimes that in our surroundings, people don't do necessarily the same. And we know that convincing them about the power of positive words will not make sense. Can we use your methodology to help them open their eyes and see the beauty behind the positivity? 
So yes, and you picked up on the but word really, it's, it's really important. So in the appreciative inquiry world, instead of saying but, you wanna either pause or say and. Because if I said, we've heard enough from you, Jackie, but we need to hear from others, that but mm -hmm. makes Jackie feel bad. But if we say, you know, Jackie, you've given us some good ideas and we need to hear from everybody else, that doesn't trigger a negative response yeah. in Jackie. It gets the whole system moving forward. So when you ask about how to practice it, um, we did that one page on just generative questions. And generative questions are questions that make you come alive, that you want to get deeper perspectives from everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a type of language you have to learn to be good at. I've been practicing it since 1995. Um, you probably only practicing it since now. It just takes practice and then it's normally part of your everyday language. And it's how you're gonna ask questions as you see the results. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, if, if I look at uh, what it did for me, you know, for me, this journey started about 10 years ago when I was just a team leader. You know, I, I did well in the team, so I was promoted. And I was team leader, which is a completely different game than just being good as a specialist. So I consistently got similar feedback from my team. I, first of all, I learned it's good to ask feedback. So it was very scary for me, but I went to sit down and ask for feedback. And I remember specifically a, um, a conversation with Claire. This is one of my team members. And you know, with her, you always get an honest answer. <laughs> she doesn't beat around the bush. And she said, you know, Alexander, I like you as a team leader because you always solve our problems and you make sure the work gets done. But also please think, I'm quoting here, also please think about the human side of things. And that got me started on this path of communication, you know, how to win people over, how to make people feel trusted and good. And I noticed that even though at first these questions, they seem like a tool, a language to learn, they were, they are also, let's say the symptoms of having a different perspective on situations. So by training myself to use these new questions, I trained myself to look at situations completely differently. And Lenka, you notice it as well, that it's relatively easy to, for me now to forgive things that go wrong and focus on on the good intention and things that did go well. Absolutely, yeah, that's 100% true. What, what else can people do to foster this, this mindset change or this change in perspective? So um, I'll give you two ideas because when, when Claire gave you feedback, she used the butt word, okay? So yeah, um, it still hurts me up until today. I know. <laughs> Let me so let me, so every time you feel butt coming out of your mouth, I want you to try pausing. And then just say what you really mean. Because when you put the word butt, people have a protect in their mode. And all mm -hmm. they think about is everything goes away. They've done something wrong. Yeah. But if I was to say, Alexander, you're good at technology and leading the team in this. And may I suggest that um, we strengthen the human side in the way you interact and here's something good. And if I pause and you ask a question, you say, well, well, how do I do that? Well, have you ever heard of this approach called appreciative inquiry? 
why don't you do this? There's no but in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is I'm hoping that I'm exciting you. You know what you're good at. And now you know what else you can do to be even better at what you're, you're good at. So it's, it's carefully choosing your words until generative questions just become part of your, of your language. Yeah. Jackie, what do you do with people who, um, who get into conversation with you and are rather negative, using lots of bots? Uh, what do you do in those situations? So, um, so I got to give you um, two caveats and then I'll tell you what I do. So um, one of the caveats we wrote about in our book is that you're human. And even my co-author, Sherry Torres and I, we have these ain't it awful conversations. <laughs> so you know that there's a switching lane. You, you will go down. You'll feel it going down because you've learned about this. You'll, you'll feel it in your body and in your mind. You'll see it in the conversation. And so sometimes what you have to ask yourself is, Pause, breathe, let's look at it this way. And you purposefully switch back up. So yes, you will have deficit spirals because we're all human. Mm-hmm. And this appreciative inquiry-based way to have conversations, it, you can't be 100% perfect, but 80%. So 80%, you want to really practice this. And you're going to enter destructive relationships. And if you can try positive framing, <coughs> generative questions, and step back, sometimes you're in a destructive relationship and you have to step out. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide that. Jackie, I'm curious, um, what's the story behind Sora? How did, uh, how did you come up with this special methodology? Um, I would say if I go back to my industry days, so I've already learned about appreciative inquiry. And when I work in industry, we did these SWOT analysis, which were good. The SWOT technique is very analytical, very mm-hmm. diagnostic, was created in 1960. And that's what I learned in business school. And when I got into industry, I realized we were really good at weaknesses and threats. And it was really hard to think of strengths and opportunities for people. Uh-huh. So think about this. If you took the operating system of appreciative inquiry, and I look at SWAT. What if I put more energy into strengths and opportunities, which they're harder to come up with, but instead of diagnostic, I get into dialogue and conversations with people about what they're doing right, what are we great at? The strengths configurations begin to emerge in the conversations. So starting with SWAT, I looked at the S and the L, strengths and opportunities. When you're designing a strategy for yourself, your team, your organization, you don't want to design it on what you can't do and what's wrong with you. You want to be innovative. So you want to talk about aspirations. What's possible? Who are our stakeholders? Who is this important to? Mm -hmm. And when you're working on a team and you're working on a company, whether you're a community, for-profit, nonprofit, government, you've got to have results. People will put money and investment and time and resources if they know what the results are they're looking for. And SOAR simply emerged from my research and appreciative inquiry as a way to help people think strategically, plan strategically, and actually lead. And so after the framework emerged, almost 10, 20 years of research I went 
through. And it's it's been used on every continent but Antarctica, to my knowledge. And it's just a way of framing strategic planning or thinking or leading or strategy because I learned about appreciative inquiry. Yeah. Which kind of organizations uh, use your methodology? Um, small nonprofits, like there's a Washtenaw Literacy local in um, Ann Arbor here, and organizations such as Marriott International, um, Facebook, Target. I mean, I can name iconic organizations and I can name non-iconic organizations, but these are organizations who are stuck and they want to get unstuck mm. and they want a new way of creating or recreating themselves. And sorry, what they are stuck in, because there are many layers, uh, what do you mean exactly by being stuck? So sometimes um, an organization will come to me. I have an organization I'm working with um, that has 1,500 engineers, and the engineers work in silos, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, cyber engineers, and they're really good technically. But as a whole, they need to get rid of the silos, and these engineers need to collaborate and work together. Mm-hmm. And if they can work together and bring their engineering capabilities together, how can they innovate and be even more beneficial to their customers and really focus on innovations? So that kind of gives an, um, an example. That they're not collaborating. How do we get technical people collaborating? And um, then what happens next? They say, okay, we want to collaborate more. Jackie, how are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing next Wednesday? Then, like, does everybody go through a training? Or, like, is there some hand-holding yeah. period? Or do you only work with so, the leadership team and they trickle it down? How do you do that? Oh, no, that's a great question. So if you think about SOAR, which appreciative inquiry is its offerings, and you want to go into an organization, the question is, am I coming to train your people on this philosophy, framework, and technique, or am I going to do an engagement? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing any of you have to ask. Am I, do I want to train people on this or do an engagement? If they need an engagement, um, when this organization came to me, they, they said, this is our problem with engineers, and this is how they're going to collaborate. And I'm thinking, if I was an engineer, you're going to tell me how to collaborate? <laughs> I, said, and I said, no, you have to have a conversation. And then people are saying, well, you can't bring 1,500 engineers together. I said, correct. But imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine if you, you hold aside, this is a leadership team what do you think collaboration is and how you're going to design these collaboration focus areas you have your ideas what if you brought a, a core planning team together and we planned a one-day event where we brought 150 of the 1500 engineers together to come up with a strategy of how we're going to as a whole system collaborate and they said, well, these engineers like to work in their groups, and it's really important they work in their groups. I said, okay, so here's the both hand. What if the first day we have the 150 engineers collaborating together and coming up with a strategy? And then on day two, we bring them back, and we let them work in their groups, their comfort zone. But the first day, we'll take them out of their comfort zone, and we'll see what engineers as a whole need to collaborate, and then we'll see what each engineering group wants 
if I do my facilitation right, you guys should be able to replicate what I'm doing and scale this up to all 1,500, all engineers for the next decade. And then 18 months, bring in 100 engineers that didn't come the first time and bring 50 of the engineers that loved it and kind of start mixing them together. So when you use SOAR and appreciative inquiry, you want something that's scalable and replicable that I can step away and I can watch them do it. Sure, they'll, I have clients that will call me three years later and say, hey, would you come back and facilitate a strategic planning session? Absolutely. My first thing is to make sure they can do it without me when we're done and that it becomes embedded into their culture. I love it. Jackie, can you share with us, um, if you may, um, really a story of a company that has been through a transformation uh, thanks to SOAR? One of the earliest stories was an organization in Midwest Michigan. It was a for-profit manufacturing plant. I received a phone call that they were part of a multi-billion dollar holding company. And this plant in Michigan was going to be closed down. So six, 700 people without their jobs in a small town. I was asked to come up with a strategy of how they would shut down this plant without ruining the lives of the people. Mm -hmm. And that they had a three-year, they wanted a three-year strategy of how to shut down the plant. I took a deep breath. I said, I'll give this a try. And as I was driving two hours to the Midwest part of the state in Michigan, I already started thinking, how are we going to, what's, you know, that positive opposite framing? I thought, well, the opposite would be you'd want the plant to stay open, right? Mm -hmm. The plant is on a shutdown list. We have three years to phase shut down the plant. So when I arrived, I said, what if we came up with a three-year plan to revitalize the plant? And I got lots of pushback. Well, we're on the shutdown list. Yeah, I said, the holding company has a shutdown list and the plants that will operate. What if we created a revitalization strategy? We created something the company's never thought of. And we told them that within 14 months, if we can't revitalize this plant, people will lose their jobs in two years instead of three years. And it took me four or five hours to kind of convince them. And I said, look, I can just go back home. I'm happy to stay if this is something we could create. And they all got engaged. In about a day and a half, we went to the holding company with a strategy to revitalize the plant. We showed them the strengths. We showed them the, the initiatives, the innovations that we would turn this plant around and the results. And we agreed that if we couldn't get it to like a break even within 14 months, we would phase out in two years. The plants never shut down. Yay. Wow. wow. Well done. Yeah. So, you know, but you think you go in with a strategy of how to shut it down. Yeah. And there's always that possibility. What if? How might we? I love this. What if? Yeah, this is uh, like the positive what if game. Usually, when we ask what if, it's about everything Worry. that could be wrong and all these worries. Now, what if we can do this awesome thing? And what if we can put this in place? What would that right. be? And so they came up with their own plan, the holding company, 
bought into it and they kept saying, well, within 14 months, you can't get to a break even. You have to implement the shutdown in two years. And they were fine with that. And they did get it to break even and the plant never closed down. That's amazing. That's awesome. I, uh, I'm very curious, Jackie, you're, you're clearly on a mission, yeah. on a mission to spread the word of appreciative inquiry uh, throughout the, the business world. Now, what is your vision? What is this beautiful picture that you're working towards? Um, I would like to work the big, bold vision is um, creating moments or environments that work for everyone. You know, if we could simply pull people together and take a, you know, just make a micro moment can create a macro movement. And how do we move forward together? So my vision is that people are thriving and flourishing. And there's so many possibilities in that they have a different way to have conversations with people and that they learn to source. So it's, that's my vision is now, you said that not enough people know about this, and it should be your personal operating system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is also about reaching reaching more people, and um, I can imagine it's about like standardizing this into you know you already have a couple of success stories. Now, if you can go to a business and you know reach more people and standardize it into a certain set of steps and you have all the evidence like of the transformation that it means i'm sure you can reach many people and achieve a lot on business level as well yeah and uh, I, I believe it's as well great personal branding i would honestly go to a company that uh, proves that they do all of these things to help me to engage and collaborate and have a positive environment absolutely and if you think about it you spend a lot of time <clears throat> on your smartphones, your iTab, your iPads, computers. You have an operating system. Imagine if we lost power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing would work, right? We wouldn't be talking. Your phones wouldn't work. Your computers wouldn't work. This operating system is so natural once you learn it. It's, it lives as long as you live. And if you could leave a legacy of being more appreciative, really building from strengths, opportunities. You don't need anything but just your natural energy to do this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to add uh, the SOAR questions to my weekly Zoom out list. I like it. So when you speak of operating system, that's a term we use a lot as well. So at the heart of what we do is the stress-free work system, which helps people to park everything they need to remember in a system of lists where they can find it mm-hmm. a list for prioritization and it comes with a habit of zooming out every day at the end of the day look at the bigger picture and ask yourself some questions at the end of the week zoom out a bit further and ask yourself some questions so these questions about what am i good at what went well which opportunities are there now taking that along when you plan for the next week Mm-hmm. very powerful so i'm gonna play with that great <laughs> are, we, are, we, yeah. are we ready are we ready we have uh, jackie we have a special element in our interview structure okay yeah we kept i like special 
Make sure that you're on your feet. Yeah, awesome. Um, it's a rapid fire question round. Okay. So we're gonna shoot a few words at you. Okay. Perhaps a few short questions that we ask you to answer with one word. One word. One word. So this is okay. about associations. Okay, one word. Are you ready? <laughs> gonna take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> take a okay, breath. Ready. All right, I'm ready. Cool. Word number one. Fun. Grateful. Leader. Inspiring. Relationship. Connecting. Team. Awesome. Learning. Thriving. Inspiration. You guys. <laughs> yes. You've been so inspiring today. Oh, that was two words. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's <laughs> spirituality. Peace. Money. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say so what, but that was two words. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome what is currently on your bucket list on my bucket list oh on my bucket list i think before i die bucket list can i give you two things i either want to jump out of a plane parachute wow. my family my family has done it but i think they're crazy <laughs> or i'd like to go to antarctica Nice. Oh, it's very cold there. Those are two, yeah. <laughs> I've heard several people talk about that. Um, to me, it seems like a lot of hard work, a lot of hardship, a lot of cold. Uh, yeah, it's one of the continents I have not been on. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> send us a postcard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what would be a personal development book that you would recommend to everyone? Oh. I, yeah, I was going to say my own book, but I love this book, The Four Agreements. Oh, Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you read this? I have uh, listened to the audiobook version of it, and I think four or five times at least. Can I just read the four principles? Absolutely. They're, they're really short, and they're so AI-ish. Um, the first principle is be impeccable with your words. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make assumptions. And number four, always do your best. You don't even have to read the book. It'll look pretty on a coffee table, but if you just read the inside and you live by those principles, life is good. Life is just great. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I have uh, one, one more question in the rapid fire question round. <laughs> What do you believe is the purpose of life? Love. I can only say one word, right? Love. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Was, it, it was a beautiful interview. I've really so much enjoyed it. Jackie, before we round it up and ask you for all of your contact details, is there something, a message that you would like to pass on? 
uh, yes, I think um, a message for people is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's so true. <laughs> Thank and you. I, and I had a lot of bosses, really great bosses, who would say that philosophy directly or indirectly. I know we're always striving to read more of that next degree or that next car, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, um, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. I love it. That's really good. Thank you very much. Listening to Jackie, what are you gonna do as of today, as of now, as of this minute differently when it comes to having positive and inspiring conversations? How can you apply SOAR in your personal situation? I am definitely gonna even like pay even more attention to my butts and to the ways I frame my questions in whichever language. Yeah, the, the one thing that I take from this interview is indeed the SOAR questions and I'm going to implement them in my weekly zoom out. So these are questions that I'm going to ask myself at the end of every week so that I know what is the best possible way to invest my time in the week to come. And that's what I recommend to everyone else to, well, to zoom out, start with, and then you can optimize it. So what is it that you are going to take along? That's our question. It is these small things that you can start applying that make everything so much easier at work. There's already enough stress as it is. So how can we use these beautiful situations we have together and make them as valuable as possible? That's what Jackie helped us do. So thank you, Jackie, for that. This episode has been brought to you by Earn More, Work Less. On our blog, you can find everything you want to know about how to work stress-free. It is full with strategies, so that is earnmoreworkless.com slash blog. And of course, right now, make sure that you stay in contact with Jackie. There's her website, conversationsworthhaving.today. And that is, if I understood correctly, where we can find the one-pager with questions to use in the office. That is going to be good. Her second website is www.soar-strategy.com. So that's S-O-A-R-strategy.com. Jackie mentioned her personal email. So if you want to reflect, get in touch with her or see what she can mean for your organization, for your team. It is jstavros at ltu.edu or jackie at conversationsworthhaving.today. We're gonna share everything in the show notes together with her Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram mentions. Twitter is Jackie Stavros, LinkedIn, Jackie Stavros, and Instagram, Jackie underscore Stavros. And she's also on Facebook, Jacqueline.Stratforos. I'm sure that that is enough. We yes. know where to find Jackie. That's it for today. We hope you loved this conversation as much as we did. We wish you many beautiful, constructive conversations, lots of wisdom, lots of great questions, and most of all, a beautiful day. <laughs>